right, welcome to Talk is Jericho. It is the pod of thunder and rock and roll. And let's hear what Duff McKagan has lined up this week for the patented Duff McKagan joke of the week. Chris Jericho, Duff McKagan calling. Uh, listen, man, pistachios are getting way too expensive. Uh, I'm going to switch to deer nuts. Yeah, they're under a buck. Thank you very much. Goodbye. <laughs> That's terrible. Is that even a thing? Deer nuts? I don't even know. I know beer nuts, but uh, Duff is on a roll, though, as he has been uh, for the last four or five years, uh, whatever it's been since he started the, the joke of the week. So thanks to the Rock and Roll Hall of Famer for never missing a Friday. And we're less than a week away from the start of Fozzie Save the World Tour, March 31st in Detroit. Uh, we are going to be out and rocking, followed by Fort Wayne on the 1st, Aurora, Illinois on the 2nd, Ashwaubenon at the Epic Event Center on the 3rd, and Kansasville, Wisconsin. We return at the 1175 on April 4th. Come on down and rock with us. Go to FozzieRock.com for all ticket and VIP information. And don't forget Irving Plaza, April 11th. We are doing a celebration, a presentation of our very first gold record for the song Judas. Once again, FozzieRock.com has all the ticket information, all the tour dates. We're going all across the states. We're hitting uh, Connecticut, Michigan, Indiana, Illinois, Wisconsin, Connecticut, Maine, New Hampshire, Rhode Island, New York, New Jersey, Philadelphia, Delaware, Virginia, uh, Louisiana, Texas, California, uh, Nevada, Colorado, Kansas, Arkansas, Illinois. We are going everywhere. Come hang out with us and rock with us. Go to FozzyRock.com for all information and book a cabin for Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea, the Four Leaf Clover. We are now setting sail February 2nd, 2023. And we've got a great lineup of talent joining us. Uh, for the first time ever, we're going to our very own private island. Get all the details when you sign up for the mailing list at ChrisJerichoCruise.com. Uh, it's going to be the vacation of a lifetime. All right. Today, I've got cult survivor uh, Lola Blanc sharing her unbelievable story. Uh, her and her mom were recruited into a religious cult by a man who claimed to be the next prophet of the Mormon religion. Lola was 12 years old at the time and explains how this cult leader separated her and her siblings from their mother and then sex trafficked her mom in the name of God. Lola also explains how they escaped him and even more incredibly how he is still leading a cult today. Lola also talks about how she and her mom were able to not only survive but thrive after the ordeal and how her mom especially has become an advocate for other victims and survivors of cults. Lola is an advocate herself and helps to expose cults, educate the masses, and give victims a chance to share their stories on her own podcast, Trust Me, Cults, Extreme Belief, and the Abuse of Power. In fact, Lola's mom tells her entire story in an episode of Trust Me. You can listen to it at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and wherever you listen to the podcast. All right, here she is, cult survivor, Lola Blanc. It's her story in her own words right here on Talk is Jericho. Here we are with, with, with Lola Blanc. Are we blanking it or are we blanking it? Blanc, Blanc. correct. We're blanking the it. French yep. pronunciation of Blanc. <laughs> Please, I'm fancy. Absolutely, as, as am I. So we're a very couple pair of fancy pants here. And you have a lot of stuff going on. You're a singer, you're an actress, uh, um, American Horror Story, which I'm a huge fan of. Lots of really cool stuff, but something that's very interesting to me that you've talked about on your podcast and is always kind of an interesting story is that you were involved in a cult yes with your mom yes and i listened to your show with your mom last night and it's a whole sordid story but i just kind of wanted to talk to you about all this because you're very successful here which is great but earlier in life it was a different kind of path for you 
Yeah, it was. And can I tell you, please don't be offended because he was very handsome. You kind of look like the guy. (laughs) (laughs) So if you wanted to start a cult, (laughs) I think it would be very easy. Well, I I have membership cards printed up. It's just just called the Chris Cult. (laughs) I'm in. That's all I got. So I'll I'll give you the card, put it in your wallet, and you get 10% off at Subway. And that's basically all I got so far. You know what? This is a shitty cult, actually. I'm (laughs) out. It's the worst cult ever. (laughs) Fine. Give me my membership card back. (laughs) Cool. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, man. My mom and I believed in a self-proclaimed prophet when I was 12 years old. We believed in this man who said that he was bringing about the end uh, end of days, the second coming, and he was the one true prophet. You know, we were Mormon. So he was this like Mormon offshoot kind of guy, as you know. Were you guys in uh, in Utah? Is that where you grew up sort of thing? Or Well, I mainly grew up in Michigan, but we had moved to Utah. So we'd been there for like maybe a year. My mom was single. She was divorced. She had just gone through this like exhaustive repentance process because she had sex with her boyfriend. And in, you know, in Mormonism, sex is a sin. So she got excommunicated. Hmm. So she'd just gone through this like long, arduous excommunication process and was like back on the scene and ready to do it and Mormon as hell. And this guy targets her at a singles dance and basically changes the course of our lives forever. So just to go back a bit and and once again, you can kind of fill us in a little bit about about Mormonism, if that's even the term. Yeah. Because you mentioned that you said sex was frowned upon as a Mormon, but yet you can have multiple wives. So early in, and by the way, they don't like to call themselves Mormons anymore. They like to call themselves the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. But I am going to call them Mormons because that's what I grew up saying when I was LDS. Originally, polygamy was like a part of the structure. And then they banned polygamy when basically in order for Utah to become a state, because polygamy was outlawed in the U.S., they had to like get rid of it to like get what they wanted and like continue to be a church and continue to be a state. So they got rid of polygamy in the 1800s. I think it was the 1800s. Yeah. And so now mainstream Mormonism, they're very, they distance themselves entirely from polygamy. But then you have the fundamentalist Mormons who basically think that once polygamy was outlawed, the church wasn't the true church anymore. So they need to like uphold these like fundamental values, including having multiple wives Mm -hmm. in mainstream Mormonism. And and actually in both, premarital sex is the worst sin that you can commit next to murder. So it's bad. Wow. So that's kind of the top of the list. But once again, it's okay to have this polygamist attitude with the multiple wives. That's okay. You can do that. No problem. At least it was. It's not a part of the mainstream Mormon church. Gotcha. But in heaven say you're a man who gets divorced and then you get, then you remarry, you get both of those wives in heaven, unless your first wife is like sealed to a new man, the the correct way. So there is polygamy in heaven, just not on earth in the mainstream church. Okay. So you guys kind of grow up with this, this culture. Yeah. Your mom is excommunicated from the Mormon, the church of Latter-day Saints. So now, like you said, she's, but once you get excommunicated, you said she, you also said she was Mormon as hell. So is she now reinvigorated yeah. as a uh, LDS? I guess you said LDS. I'm assuming that means Latter-day Saints. Yeah. So you're, so you get kicked out and then you have to start over again or how did well she she did i the, the children aren't affected by that but she got essentially like she would still go to church but she wasn't allowed to like speak in church and she wasn't allowed to take the sacrament like 
yeah, she just went through this process where everyone kind of knew she was repenting. Gotcha. <laughs> I don't think the guy got excommunicated. I don't think this doesn't typically happen to men. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> so she, yeah, she's like back in the church and this, she meets this man. Okay, here's an important detail. She'd had this dream, right? Like after she got divorced with my dad, she had this dream about, she like prayed about someone she was going to meet. And she had this dream about this guy who looked kind of like Brendan Fraser and kind of like Joseph Smith, this like man with long hair, like I'm saying, <laughs> Jericho vibes. I should put this up. <laughs> okay. So this singles dance, she's there looking for her new Mormon husband. That she sees this man who looks just like the guy from her dream. Hmm. And it happens to be this man who, let's give him a fake name because he wants attention so badly and I don't ever want to give it to him. We won't call him by his name then. We will not call him by his name. Also, he's tried to sue me before, which is stupid. We've called him Adam before, so let's just, might as well just call him Adam again. Let's call him Adam, yeah. So Adam charms her. He's like dancing with all the old ladies. He seems like this fantastic guy. And they start talking after and he confesses to her that he's an atheist. So she is like, well, I have to convert him. I'm like really strong in my faith now. I have to convert this man and like basically begins trying to like convince him why Mormonism is this great church. The next part is so, there's so many like little details. But over time, he switches it up. He tells her, I was lying to you. I'm not an atheist at all. Actually, I am the new prophet on earth. Hmm. So the context for this, which is very important, is that in the church, there is a story about how Joseph Smith, the first prophet, basically like he was translating the Book of Mormon from an angel, right? So an angel's telling him what it says and he's translating it. The guy just wrote the thing, but you know, whatever. According to Mormon lore, this is what he's doing. He's translating from an angel. A part of the Book of Mormon was hidden away in a hill to be revealed in the last, sometime in the last days. And this is called the sealed portion. So this basically leaves an opening for multiple people have tried to come forward and be like, I'm translating the sealed portion of the Book of Mormon from an angel. I am the real prophet on earth. So that is what this guy does. And the process of convincing her of that was not instant. It was not immediate. It involved a whole series of manipulations. My mom told him very vulnerable things about herself. He used that against her. And keep in mind, the context of this is that she saw this dude in a dream. She prayed about see, about meeting someone, sees a man in a dream, meets the man. That man is now telling her that he's translating the sealed portion of the Book of Mormon, which is a thing that Mormons actually believe in. There's like context for all of this. And he employed other people to also say, yeah, he's the real deal. Mm -hmm. He's a prophet. I believe in him as well. And also created fake people to tell her also that he was the real deal. This is a process over time. This is, that's the part that I think is kind of hard for people to understand. I'm like, well, why would you believe that? It's like, okay, but there's context, there's manipulation, there's this charismatic person who's like preying on all of the things he knows about you and using them against you. And it, it, it's a whole thing. It happens to all kinds of people. But he also, just doing a little bit of research beforehand, he had um, claimed to be the reincarnated 
brother of Joseph Smith. Joseph Smith, for those of you who don't know, and, and I could be wrong about this, but he basically created Mormonism. He is the guy yeah. that, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So his brother, Hiram, if that's even correct. Yeah, yeah, Hiram. So Adam, our cult leader, claimed to have been the reincarnated spirit of, of Joseph Smith's brother. Is that correct too? I believe so. His claims have evolved many, many times over the years. So it's hard for me to keep track of, of which was when. Right, 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 right. At different times, he's been ending human trafficking forever and within 30 days or some shit. At different times, he's been a political party, you know. So, yes, that was one of the claims, I believe. So, do you think that the fact that your mom saw him in the dream was a coincidence? I mean, obviously, what's the connection there? So memory is a funny thing, right? Like, yeah, we think of memory as something that you just kind of go into your file and pull it out. But the truth is that every time you pull out a file, you are altering it a little bit. You are reconstructing the memory. And that's why, like, witness memory in court cases is so fickle and unreliable, because it's easy to kind of, like, edit a memory with a person's face in it and think that that's what you saw and like fully, fully believe it. I suspect it was something like that. I suspect it was like the general shape. And, you know, a man with long hair, Joseph Smith had long hair, like the outline is, it makes sense. Right. But then there's also one other possibility, which is that my dad, when when my parents were still together, my dad went to a particular military, he was in the military, um, particular school. Turns out, my mom found out later that Adam also went to that school around the same time. So my other possible theory is that she may have actually just like seen him and not known. And her brain like randomly picked out that memory for a dream. And it was only notable because then she saw him again. So these are the, the possibilities. But I, I personally don't believe in I'm a bit uh, skeptical. Of, of the magic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so she kind of gets sucked in by the fact that it was a, a dream, a dream man, a dreamy man. Mm-hmm. So where does that start? Where does that lead her next then once she's kind of hooked by Adam? So after this process, she eventually believes and he starts slowly, little by little, making, commanding her to do things. They don't start out big, but he tells her that he's started a charity to help the needy. And this is one of her main, main values is helping the needy. Also, I, at this point, I'm 12. I'm like snooping through my mom's computer one day, just like looking for shit as you do, just being nosy. And I find like his letters to her. I believe he was in jail at that point, <laughs> mm. which also Joseph Smith went to jail. There's this whole theme of like, oh, we're being persecuted in the LDS. Family. Martyrs. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I find this letter from him and I talk to her about it and then I believe in him too. So now we are like, oh, we're helping him start this foundation to help the needy. This is important. This is the Lord's work. I'm like building a website for him. My mom is like, okay, how can we help find money to help these people? That turns into, well, now we have to sell some of our things to help these people. And that turns into, well, now we have to actually be separated. She can't live with her children anymore. Oh, wow. Because that's what God 
needs from her. He needs this sacrifice from her. So what he actually commanded my mom to do was put her children up for adoption. Really? Yes. She's not going to do that. Is it you and, and how many other kids? So I have three brothers. I think two of them were living with us at the time. And then one was living with my dad. So one of the brothers went to live with my dad. My other brother and I, we didn't want to leave Utah. We didn't want to leave the area and go. We didn't want to go live with my dad. So we stayed with these like kind of random families from church. My brothers had no idea what was going on. But I am like, oh, I have to be separated from my mom because this is like, it's happening. Like the second, like the end of the world is beginning. The last days are happening. Hmm. This is like such important work that we're doing. So now we're separated. And then the next thing is he tells her that men are going to come visit her and she has to sleep with them. And she fights it tooth and nail. There are, we have, we have letters that she wrote to him. We have all of this showing just like, she was like, why, why would God want this? I don't understand. She's now living in this. I never really know how to describe it. It's like, it was called a hotel, but it got shut down because it was like, not a place that was livable. The condemned. Yeah. 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 And it was like full of you know, whatever, convicts and pimps and the worst kind of people. You, d- you don't really imagine Salt Lake has an underbelly like that, but to the extent that they, first of all, they do. But also it was like very much concentrated in this one building. She, the bathroom didn't work. Her, she had to use the bathroom in the hallway. It was like, I went there a couple of times and it was very scary. So she's living alone in this place, one of the only women in the building. And men start visiting her to have sex with her. And she becomes incredibly depressed She ends up getting assaulted in various ways, very horrific ways, and is begging not only Adam, but also this other woman who he brought into the picture and said, actually, I haven't, Christine, we're spiritually married, but I'm also now spiritually married to this other woman. And we'll call her Susie. (laughs) That's my aunt's name. Sorry, Aunt Susie. Um, (laughs) This is with a Z. It's okay. It's different. (laughs) Yeah. Susie also now is one of the people who's in on it and like telling my mom, you have to do this. This is what God wants. Adam and Susie are ignoring my mom, essentially like pleading and being like, why? Why? This is the worst thing I've ever experienced. They are being like, no, you have to. So so a couple of questions there as you've yeah. said a lot of details there. So first of all, are you guys living like it seems like a lot of cults? Or will be on like a compound or in some kind of area. Are you guys living all together? Or are you still kind of scattered about the city? It's scattered. This one was very interesting because at the time he didn't have like a whole group. He had conned people before, multiple people. He had had already done this to multiple victims, but he didn't have like a full fledged group, which he now does have. So at the time, it was really like my mom and I believed in him. I think a couple random people believed in him, and that was it because he kind of moved on from his previous victims because he got everything he wanted out of them. But of course, now he, he continues to victimize. But he must have had like, and obviously we were the dream image can't be the only thing that's attracting your mom to me. A typical cult leader is very coercive and very charming and very exactly charismatic. Yeah. So he has all of those traits as well. Yeah. I've talked to other victims of his and like, He's one of those excellent manipulators. He's one of those people that you don't want to think that you would fall for, but like you probably would. Yeah. Because he would know like, 
oh, Christine experienced this other trauma. Like, I'm going to use that to tell her why God needs X, Y, and Z from her because this is her true test and her true challenge. I'm going to pray on the beliefs that I know that she has. I'm going to pray on the values that I know that she has. And I'm going to do it all in this like very package of the man is someone who speaks in a way that sounds very compelling. You really want to believe everything that he says. It's so passionate and he's very handsome. It was just one of those fucking guys, man. When he's telling her to, you know, have sex with, with these guys, because that's what God wants. What is his reasoning for that? What's he getting out of this? Is he a pimp or? So she doesn't see a dime from those transactions. He does. So that's what I mean. He's, he's basically pimping her out or is he using her as. No. So I, apparently there was an actual pimp there who was doing the like day-to-day work which is an insane thing to say. But I think that Adam was, I believe that he was taking the money. So either way, she's being trafficked, essentially. She's being sex trafficked. Sex trafficking. Yeah. And you guys now, when when you said you were separated from her, are you living in the condemned hotel as well? Or where are you guys at? Well, my brother's with a, a friend's family and I'm with another family from church who have no idea what's going on. Just like a, a regular Mormon family. Wow. Yeah. And I'm like sneaking phone calls to my mom being like, is it happening yet? Is it beginning? You know. So you're kind of involved every step of the way. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know about the sex part until later, but now I've like read their letters and read all of the stuff about it and it was definitely happening. And, and as a 12-year-old child, you are all in on this. This is just the way it is. This is the way that Adam wants it. So let's do it. I mean, yes and no. So like, again, another important cultural thing is that like, I grew up believing that life is just a series of tests. It's just a series of tests to then get to the next life where you'll be rewarded for all of your strife. Right. Anything that happens that's bad, like God tested Abraham and Isaac, told this dude to kill his only son because it was going to be a test. So like, this is the mindset that I grew up with that all, all of us have in our heads. I mean, at least at that time, I don't know if the church has changed a bunch since then, but it's like, God's going to test you. God's going to throw you shit that you will feel like you can't handle. And your job as a good Mormon is to get through it in a righteous way. And you'll be rewarded by going to the highest kingdom of heaven. So I'm like, oh, this is, this is our test. But also the other element here is that like, I feel fucking special. Mm. I am the only child on earth the planet earth who knows that this is happening right. and who knows that this is the real prophet. And I'm like going to school and like kids are kind of mean to me. And I'm like, yeah, well, if only you knew what I know. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so there's this wanting, you want to believe it too. You want to believe it for numerous reasons. You want to believe it because it feels like you're special and we all kind of secretly believe that we're special. And here's someone coming along and telling you, you are basically Harry Potter. You have been chosen. That is pretty irresistible. And then the other element is like, if you stop believing in it, that means that you have just been swindled and that people actually behave this way and that you've sacrificed time and money and time with your family, like so much of your life for a fucking liar. Mm-hmm. Like that is really really hard to digest. However, there is one moment and I always remember this and I always tell the story. I'm like at the family's house in the room by myself 
And, you know, in Mormonism, you bear your testimony, which means you basically say, I know this church is true and I know that Joseph Smith is a real prophet. And so I'm bearing my testimony to God about how I know Adam is a real prophet. And I can't finish the sentence. And I was like, why can't I say it? Why can't I get myself to say it? I know it. Don't I? Mm. And I didn't. And I and I, I, I didn't finish it. And I just changed this topic of the prayer. And I remembered that. And I filed that away for later. I was like, probably a prophet. Definitely a prophet. However, just going to take note of that. Turns out, <laughs> not a prophet. <laughs> not a prophet. <laughs> a couple other questions on this. And then I want to talk more about your mom. So you mentioned that one of your brothers is with your dad. Do you talk to your dad at all and say that? anything about this or is it just kind of a secret from everybody else other than those who know no one knows my dad had no idea until like a few years ago wow yeah okay yeah we didn't talk about it for a long time also too on on your podcast when i was listening your mom mentioned that she had met or that she had seen keith rain rainier rain rainieri yeah who Interesting enough, obviously, is the leader of the is it the Nexium cult? I'm not sure how you pronounce it. I had India Oxenberg on the show. Love India. Yeah, she's great. She escaped the cult as well. So why is Renary hanging out with Adam? What's the connection there? So the connection there is that my mom is the Forrest Gump of cult leaders, where she just like <laughs> happens to know them all, and she's like at the wrong place at the wrong time. Because <laughs> there are more, not, but yeah, with Keith. So funny, man. My mom dated him just completely independently of Adam. Yes. My mom dated Keith Ranieri, the leader of Nexium, like 15 years before he started Nexium. He indeed tried to give her a slave contract long before he'd started his whole pyramid of sex slaves. And she felt like she was supposed to sign it. And then the next day she tore it up and she called him. She was like, I don't want to do this. But the funny thing is that like, this is all happening around the same time. So like Keith and I think Nancy are trying to get my mom to come to New York. And I met him. I visited New York. I like met him. He was like, I thought he was great. I thought he was really fun. I thought he was the smartest man in the world. You know? Wow. But they're trying to get my mom to come to Albany, New York while she's dealing with Adam And I lied. Keith knew what was happening. Keith was like the person who knew what was happening. And he is telling my mom, this other future cult leader is telling my mom, this guy's a fraud. Come over to my group. Jeez. And this is the true way. And there's even a quote from him in the Salt Lake, like City Weekly or something from like 2001 or something where he's talking shit on Adam. Wow. Meanwhile, developing his concept for his sex cult. Unbelievable. Is your mom just attracted to these types of people or they're attracted to her? They're attracted to her. She like exudes. She's just like, I don't know how else to describe it. She's like exudes goodness and like wants to help people and is sees the good in everyone. And she, she reads as like very pure and she's also just gorgeous it's just like has been the perfect combination. She just attracts wow. all kinds of like, cra- I mean, good people too, but like some very crazy people. So what's the next step for her? So now she is actually, did she actually start doing the sex trafficking? Shall we call it? She did. She, and she ended up being raped by people, multiple people. Jeez. It was pretty horrific for her. Very traumatic. So she starts becoming suicidal because how do you not in that situation? You're stuck in this place. You have nowhere to go. You can't see your children and you're being victimized 
constantly. She like walked into the road, like hoping someone would hit her. Fortunately, nobody did. And she like remembered that that was the way she tells it. The story she tells is that she has a necklace that I gave her and like remembered me and, and remembered her children and was like, I can't do this. But then comes this other guy. This other guy's name, real name is Jeff. And Jeff met Adam in jail. Adam told Jeff in jail, hey, there's this woman I have. You can like go there and like have her. Yeah, have her. Yeah. So Jeff does. He goes there. He has her. But then he looks around. He sees how she's living. He knows it's all fake. And he starts crying. And he's like, I can't let you do this. I can't let you live like this. I can't abide. And he got her out of there, physically, like, got her off of the premises, helped her get out. And that was it. That was how she got out. And it's always kind of bummer to me because I'm like, I want our story to be like, and then we were figured it out. We got out on our own. It's like, no, a man came and, like, told her and helped us. But that's fine. Like, I will always be grateful to Jeff. But but how was he able to do that? Like for first of all, how, how long are we talking about here? How long were you guys involved with 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 Adam and kind of being under his spell? Uh, it was a matter of months, not years. Right. I always I need to clarify that with my mom. I think sh- we were living apart for like a few months, so we'd believed in him already for a little while, for months, and then we were apart for a few months. Okay, so so. Uh... What kind of interactions do you have with Adam? Is he trying to groom you to be the next, you know, the next generation? Or do you even see this guy at all? Or kind of how does that come about? Yeah, I spent time with him before he went to jail. I spent time with him. I'm My memories of our specific interactions are hazy, except that I remember that when I very, very first met him, I did not like him. Hmm. And then I like just got a bad feeling about him. And at this point, I'd already met some bad men that, had targeted my mom. So I think it was probably just that little spidey sense coming up. But then I forgot about that. And then I was like, he's my prophet. I love him. He's my prophet. My mom, the way my mom tells it, I don't know like exactly what he said, but she says that he would talk about me as though there's something really special about my real name is Candace or something really special about Candace and would talk about me in a way that she now believes was him like, yes, having plans for me. I never saw any of that because it never got to that point. So how does Jeff come in and kind of rescue her from Adam? I think fortunately she was so beaten down and so wanted it to be over that she was in a place where she was able to be receptive. Something that's very common with people who are in cults or stuck in a belief system is that Generally, if you directly attack the thing that they believe in, they will fight back harder and they will believe in it even more because they have to defend their belief system unless there's already a crack and there's already something that's making them question and want to leave. And then somebody just like confirms that. So my mom just wanted to be with her kids. She just wanted to be with her kids and like live a normal life again and was miserable So this guy comes along and says, not only do I know he's fake, but he told me everything that he did, everything that he planned, and it all tracked, and she was ready to hear it, and she was ready to leave, and they left. So she kind of, like, deep down inside, she wasn't hooked enough to be just completely blindly doing whatever she's told. She knows it's wrong, and she just needs an excuse to get out, right? I mean, I think it depends on what stage 
Because like you don't end up in that situation if you don't really believe it. You don't. That's how they get you. But there was enough that was happening that was making her want out. So do you just pick up and go with her and say, okay, we're leaving? Or was there any questions for you as far as like, did you completely cool wanting to leave? Or did you have any reasons that you wanted to stick around? Oh, no. She came. I remember she came. I think it was the next day or maybe it was even that day. She came to the house where I was staying and sat me down outside on the hill and told me that Adam was not real. My reaction at the time was, yeah, that makes sense. All right, let's move on. Let's like start the next part of our lives. Like I didn't even want to think about it. I think I just like totally glossed over it and was like, yeah, I guess I've seen men be really shitty to you before. So that tracks. So <laughs> let's get out of that and, and start our lives, you know? Seems like you're pretty lucky that you got out of it. We mentioned, you know, India earlier and how she was kind of stuck in this. It's, it, do you feel fortunate that you got out in time before you kind of got locked in even deeper? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I was lucky that I, unlike India, I wasn't like physically in a space with people all the time. I wasn't being sleep deprived. I wasn't having my entire life be controlled because that is what gets you just like deeper on into somebody's control is when right. your time, your, your thoughts, your everything that you do is like being dictated to you. So fortunately that wasn't happening. Yeah. I feel so lucky. Who knows? I mean, he has, I got a, a DM from a girl recently who's like, my mom believes in this guy still. I cannot get her out and I don't know what to do. And she's like, he's taken, he's gotten people to sign their wills over to him. Like Jeez. they've given up their lives for, I mean, yeah. Oh my God. Thank God for Jeff. <laughs> so by not saying his name and obviously it's your choice for sure. Do you think you should, you should maybe warn people against this guy or how do you kind of make sure, or do you just feel like it's not your place to say? Well, he's like kind of been in hiding a little bit. Gotcha. So I, he's not like necessarily out there, but although I'm, I'm hearing that he might be like kind of coming back. Cause he owed, he basically tried to sue a bunch of people, tried to sue me. Tried to sue a guy. Sue you for what? Uh, defamation. <laughs> Which is hilarious because I literally have never said <laughs> He wrote, this is my favorite story. I wrote an article about Vice, in Vice, about it, or for Vice. Nobody knew who the fuck I was talking about. He comes and writes in the comments, this is about me. I am suing. <laughs> it's like, you just want people to know. Like, you just right. want attention, you fucking idiot. <laughs> no, I, I mean, it's a really good point. And my mom and I are talking about the best way to kind of do that. But I want to do it in a way that doesn't just like that's that's kind of airtight in, in what we have and what we're showing and like what the evidence is, as opposed to just like casually saying his name before we're, we like have the whole thing ready. But yeah, I've never thought about this before. It's probably like anybody that's like an actor or in a band or something where you're like, you know, how do I get to the next level right now? I'm just an opening match cult leader how do i get to the <laughs> the david koresh you know how do i become the mick jagger of cults like how do i do this right 100 percent, yeah he's got a youtube he's trying i really really think he thinks that i'm the ticket too because i've seen his emails because you've got some notoriety right now is that yeah. why yeah yeah he's like she's famous which first of all no i'm not but he's like she's famous really check it out. And it's like, you just want me to talk about you so badly. So I can't give him that satisfaction right now. Yeah. 
Let me ask you a couple more questions about this. When did you find out, and you mentioned it kind of briefly, but when did you find out the extent of what he was making your mom do? And was it hard for you to hear this and hard for your mom to tell you? Oh, yeah. I mean, she probably told me like when I was in my teens, maybe my early 20s. I don't remember the exact conversation, but it was years after, after this had happened. Right. Yeah. It was years after the fact. Yeah. My mom's life is like, I mean, she's working on a book. I hope that she gets it published because her life is fucking insane. She's been through so much trauma and she's somehow so positive and happy, but yeah, it, it was, of course it's hard. And especially because our dynamic has, has been such for a long time that, I want to protect her. Like I want to keep these people away from her. And like, I've seen her be victimized. So hearing this is like, yeah, that's hard. That is really hard to hear that your like precious mother. Who's this just wants to help people is, has like been through this thing. And what did your dad say when you ended up telling him about it? <sighs> he was like very shocked and I think pretty uncomfortable you know, it's hard for him to talk about, I think, because it does pertain to his own belief system. Gotcha. And I think the idea that people would prey on that is sort of tough to swallow, even though, of course, it's like about the, the man and not the religion itself. But I think he was bummed that I didn't talk to him about what was going on for all that time. But that just wasn't the relationship we had. Did you have to ever go to any type of, I don't know, therapy or whatever? Or, or did you just use... What happened to you and to, I mean, does it affect you to this day? I guess is what I'm asking. I never know. Well, for years I thought, I thought it didn't because I just like put it away and I was like, well, I'm not gonna think about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there, it's just like, oh yes, this clinical, it feels very clinical the way that I think about it. Like, yeah, this, this is this thing that happened, but sometimes, and I'm in various kinds of therapy. <laughs> oh, right. For different things. Yeah. Yeah. I've been for years, <laughs> new kinds now. There are moments where I'm like, oh, I think that affected me more than I thought that it did. And part of it is cumulative. It's like seeing things happen to my mom because I witnessed another crime happen to her and, you know, just different experiences. So I think part of it was cumulative. And then part of it is also just like knowing that people can be willfully and intentionally deceive you to that extent. Definitely like is cynicized a word? I don't think it is, but made me a more cynical person and made me like made it more difficult for me to trust people, I think, for sure. Yeah, it's it's really interesting because once again, going back to what India was talking about, she said nobody ever wants to be in a cult. You know, you just end up in one. And it's not like you were or your mom was a weak-minded person or somebody that was missing something. It just kind of happens. And it's amazing that there's people out there that will take advantage of you to rope you in. Yeah. And one of the things cult expert Steve Hassan always talks about is that people who are susceptible to cults, it's not about their age, although it does typically happen to younger people, but certainly not always. It's not about their age. It's not about their gender. It's not about their class. It's not about their job. It's not about their education. It's about whether they are in a time in their life of transition or change or trauma. My mom was in all three at once. And for context, also, like she had a degree. She had a degree in child psychology. Wow. And many people I talked to on my podcast, you'd be shocked how many of them had degrees and also specifically in psychology or sociology. That curiosity, that interest, that hunger for something more and to know more and all of the things that make somebody an intelligent, curious, interesting person can be the same things that lead us into cults. 
It's funny because you have a great attitude about it, even just the way you talk about it. I'm going to read a quick – I actually found this yesterday, which I was howling at. Great news. My childhood cult leader has claimed responsibility for COVID. He's not responding <laughs> to inquiries at this time. <laughs> and he wrote, to give all of humanity the proof that it needed, we were responsible for the introduction of what the world now recognizes as the coronavirus the virus was meant to be the most infectious disease that modern humanity has yet experienced, you know, and then it continues on talking about all of those who have died and will die from COVID would have died anyways, by some other means within three and in brackets, the number three years of their initial <laughs> infection. In essence, these mortals volunteered to sacrifice their mortal life for the sake of all humanity. Please do not send any inquiries to us. We will not respond to the inquiries at this time. What the fuck is he talking about? And, and how, does, do you laugh at something like this or does it make you feel weird or what? I mean, I think it's fucking hilarious. Right. It's just so absurd, like so next level absurd that it's hilarious. Yeah. With like the internet becoming more of a thing, it's easier to see how batshit he is i think it's harder in person because it's just the conversation is very engaging and he's saying these amazing things but like when he once he's like written it all out you're like bro <laughs> what the <laughs> fuck is that shit that's so stupid right 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 is there a lot of those types of claims that he makes because it seems to be once again going back to being the opening match cult leader sorry from wrestling talk is he throwing <laughs> darts everywhere or what else is he talking about i think so because he changes all the time like there was one period, I think, where he was saying he was anonymous. Then there's another one where he's like, I have a plan, like I said, to end human trafficking within, it was within one week. And then he's like, well, now I'm a political party. And then he's like, now COVID, I take responsibility. And he constantly still will go back and forth on whether or not he's a prophet. And then another thing that he's done is he used to say he's in contact with angels. Well, now he said, then he was saying he was in contact with aliens, which are actually these three beings that were in the Bible. They were aliens. So he's gotten like sort of UFO fanatics into his fold as well it really just changes and that is something that from the outside like sounds absurd you're like well why would you believe in this guy who's constantly changing but again this is really 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 common so many of these groups their doomsday doesn't come true one thing that they say one day is completely opposite the next day and it's not about that it's about that the hold that they have over you Last couple questions for you. I mean, we keep making jokes, but what is is it about a cult? Like, why do some cults get really big? Like, we're talking even like a Nexium, and this cult, Adam's cult, it doesn't even really have a name. Will there be a point where this guy could take control and become a, a David Koresh level leader, or is it something where people are just kind of starting to realize it's just a bunch of shit? No, he has people who are very fanatical about him. Gotcha. Yeah. I think the only reason he hasn't gotten bigger is because he hasn't found, <laughs> he hasn't figured out how to market himself well. Yeah. Well, that's it, right? Yeah. Like the branding isn't there. I like how I'm giving him notes right now to make him a better leader. <laughs> but like, I always give Jim Jones as an example because um, with the People's Temple, he had a specific message. It was, this is unity. This is, we are one of the only churches that has all races together. We don't believe we are anti-racist, right? It was this message of bringing people together in unity that really resonated with Nexium. It was like, oh, we are going to make you better. We are going to improve your life. I don't think he's offering anything specific like that in a way that will resonate with a lot of people, fortunately. 
But if he were to figure that out, I think he would become even more dangerous. And I actually already think that he's dangerous. Well, sure, because anybody that can get, you know, somebody like you said, like your mom, for example, who's a very intelligent woman to do this types of things. And another thing, too, it seems, and you saw that on, on the Nexium was he, he might just need, he might be one super rich person away. You need that financial backing as well, right? Absolutely. And he has found rich people who have given him their money. He has lots of money that he has access to now. And I'm not going to make any specific accusation here. More than one person has committed suicide in his orbit. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So that is a dangerous person. Uh, last cult <laughs> cult question. <laughs> Do you have any advice for people, young girls, warning signs, and how to, you know, to stay away from people like this from your experience? Is there anything you can – any advice that you have? Yeah. I mean, I think that some of the biggest takeaways from all of the people that I've interviewed in my own experience has been – if one person is trying to be the only source of information for you or the only source of what to do next in your life, that is when you're getting into dangerous territory. There is not one person, no matter what, even if they are extremely educated, whatever, have multiple sources that you go to for advice to figure out what to do next. And if anyone is isolating you from those other people in your life, that is a sign that they are trying to control you. And that is a good sign to get out. Gotcha. Well, we're, we're glad that you escaped and your mom escaped. It's good for you to be talking about this too, because I think it does help other people to kind of be wary of, of this sort of person. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're every, they're all up on TikTok. There are so many of these people on TikTok. Jeez. I also just want to shout out my mom because my mom went on to get her PhD and turn her story into something huge. Yeah. She took back her story and she's helping people, other people in cults or who used to be in cults now. And she's fucking killing it. So shout out. <laughs> shout out to what's your mom's name? Christine. Christine Marie. Yeah. So last question for you before we go, I know you got a heart out. One of the, the many things you've done, like I said, you're, I love your resume because it reminds me a lot of mine. There's a lot of diversity there, which is what, is the secret to being uh, having longevity in show business. <laughs> and you wrote uh, a song for yourself that, that Britney Spears recorded. And I wanted to ask you, I'm, I'm in a band as well. And most of our songs, one guy writes it or two guys write it together. Maybe there's a third, but in your case for this song, and it was number one, it was a number one song in Korea, <laughs> not in the States, <laughs> No, but in South Korea. Ooh la la was number one, but I'm counting one, two, three, four, five, six, seven writers on a four minute song. So my question is just as a songwriter myself, how does that come to be where you have seven writers to create a tune? Great question. <laughs> you might not be able to answer it in five minutes, but give me the reader's digest if you can. The answer is that three of us wrote the song. Right. And then uh, Dr. Luke, the now infamous Dr. Luke of Kesha legal battle fame. Oh, that guy. Uh, Dr. Luke wow. came in because the producer we were writing it with was signed to him. Dr. Luke came in and was like, oh, I want this for Britney. Let me get all of my writers who are also signed to me. Therefore, I will take a cut of their money to get on this song to make it family friendly instead of letting the actual writers change the lyrics in a way that is very easy. Unbelievable, right? Yeah. There's, there's a great story about a song that Kiss has called War Machine. And it was written by Brian Adams, the Brian Adams, you know, I need somebody in summer 69. 
he and his songwriting partner, uh, Jim Valance, wrote War Machine, submitted it to Gene Simmons. And Gene said, I love this song, but it needs an extra verse. And they're like, okay, well, no, no, no. I'm going to write the extra verse. So now it's mm-hmm. Brian Adams, Jim Valance, and Gene Simmons. So is it that <laughs> sort of a thing where he changed the the to an and and gets a credit? I mean, they did change the, the song before was very risque and it had to be family friendly. So they changed the lyrics to be family friendly. But let's be clear. Any songwriter can do that. That is not a difficult task. I think you probably could have figured that out yourself, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but overall, was it a positive experience to, to have this song with, with Britney singing it? Absolutely. Absolutely. I love Britney. And honestly, that experience like changed a lot of things for me because it, it just legitimized me in the music industry a little bit. So I'm grateful for it. I don't want to sound like I'm not. I am. <laughs> Amazing. Musician, songwriter, actor, director. podcast, director. Yes. What are you directing now? What's your next directing project? Well, my heart out is because I have a meeting about a short film that I am uh, <laughs> about to be working on. But I've directed stuff with wrestlers in it. I directed a music video last year that had Ryan Nemeth in it oh. and uh, a few other people. Where they're, the whole video is wrestling. So shout out. He's great. I love Ryan. He's great. But... I love Ryan. He says well, hi. Oh, well, thank you. Well, most importantly, you cult survivor. And uh, thank you so much, Lola. It's been a pleasure talking to you. And I'm, I think you're in your closet I am. So let's get you out of the closet. <laughs> Don't forget, you have your Chris Cult membership, 10% off any sandwich at Subway. Uh, and that's all I ask. Just uh, tag me on Instagram. Sold. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Lola. Thank you so much. <laughs>